morning, everyone. Let's stand together and turn to page 352, 352 in our songbooks. My hope is in the Lord. Amen. 352 as we get started this morning. My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. Turn to page 169. 169, there is power in the blood. Amen. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil of victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Let's sing it out. There is power, power. Precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. 
to live daily, His grace is to sing. There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you once again and we thank you for each one that has braved the elements to be here this morning. Lord, we ask for your protection uh, upon us uh, and those that are still coming and as we re return home this afternoon. But Lord, most of all, we ask for your blessings upon this time that we've dedicated to the worship of the Most High God. We ask you to give us grace that we may be your servants this day. In Jesus' name, amen. And now let's turn to page 480. 480 Footsteps of Jesus. Sweetly, Lord, have we heard thee calling, come, follow me. And we see where thy footprints falling us to be footprints of Jesus that make the pathway grow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever they go. Though they lead o'er the dark mountain seeking his sheep, or along by Siloam's fountains there. Let's turn to page 812. There is victory in Jesus. Amen. 812. That is past the index. Victory in Jesus. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary Save a wretch like me. I heard about his holy, how his precious blood's atoning. Then I 
Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me there, I knew him, and all my love is to Before the message this morning, Ted and Sharon are going to bring us a duet, so listen closely to the words, and as soon as they're done singing, we'll have the children dismissed for the children's church. Divine, 
to be clothed upon with meekness and to have no will but thine. I am praying, blessed Savior, and my constant prayer shall be for a perfect consecration that shall make me more like Thee. Thou who knowest all my weakness, Thou who knowest all my care, while I plead each precious promise, Hear, O hear, and answer prayer. While I plead each precious promise, Hear, O hear, and answer prayer. All right, we'll have the children dismissed at this time, 12 and under, for the Children's Church. And take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Psalms. Turn to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, and we're going to try to just walk through the eight verses uh, of this psalm this morning. We're going to start in uh, verse 1, and we're just going to read the whole way through the psalm. Some of these verses you may uh, uh, be somewhat familiar with, but we're going to put them in the context and and the connection with everything else that uh, God put them in the context with. In verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, With our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Now what we have just done here is read an actual song. Uh, the, the words of this psalm, uh, the Hebrew, uh, the English means song. Uh, they, they literally sang these words. And the idea of the uh, Hebrew poetry was quite different than ours is. In English, we like to rhyme words. Uh, while we were there, uh, we were listening to this silly song on the radio. It said, I know rain. And uh, Brother Franz and Peter were joking about that quite a bit. And it says, as they were going back and forth, they said, yeah, I know rain. And any word that rhymes with rain just fits into the song just real well. It's just one of those silly, worthless songs but that's what we do in English when we want uh, to make a song. We want the words to connect or rhyme with each other. In the Hebrew, 
they had a little higher ambition. They like to rhyme the thoughts. They want the ideas and the message of these words to connect. And so they're not looking necessarily for the, uh, the beauty of the words to connect to each other. They want the message to connect. And we're going to have two opposing thoughts. You see, in poetry, you take things that are like and you put them together. We're going to see that in this psalm. And things that are opposite. And, and you contrast them, and that's how you get the message across, and that's what's going on in these eight verses here in Psalm chapter 12. We begin and we end with basically the same thought. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. I will say it correctly for a time change. Uh, it says, the godly man's going away. Now we have the same thought repeated. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. He says exactly the same thought, just a little differently in verse 8. He says, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. He's just saying the same thing a different way. And uh, because if the godly man's gone, if the faithful has failed, if he's not there anymore, then what do we have? We have the wicked. We have the vile being lifted up. And of course, we don't have to spend much time, but uh, is this not a psalm for today? Amen? Uh, do we not see the godly man ceasing from society? Uh, we see the faithful fail. We, uh, we see these things and we look at verse 2 and he goes on with this thought here. He says, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. Now, that word vanity, we need to spend a little bit of time on. Uh, we have a magazine today called Vanity Fair. Uh, and uh, should you uh, take time to read that thing, I would hope you wouldn't. Uh, what is in it is vanity. And uh, what is vanity? Nothingness. It is emptiness. Vanity is something that does not last and has no real meaning. Uh, there's a lot of things. It comes from the word vain. Uh, often you will hear referred to someone, all oh, those movie stars, they're just so vain. All they care about is what they look like. And uh, you stop and think about how much money is invested in this country every year on something to make you look better. Uh, I wonder how much, uh, whatever that guy, George at Chamonix, if you listen to any of the radio commercials, has spent on radio commercials. I mean, every time you turn the radio station, uh, and I don't know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those weird persons. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a few wrinkles because people stop calling me young. Amen. Uh, the, the idea here is that, uh, people invest in something and I do not care how much of that stuff you smear on your face or inject into your skin, uh, when you get a certain age, you're going to have wrinkles. Uh, it's just going to happen. Uh, you know, and you can go to the doctor. They can only stretch it so many times to pull the wrinkles out until, you know, you can't smile and open your mouth at the same time or smile and blink your eyes at the same time or something like that. I mean, there's only so much you can do. And... 
Uh, by the way, ladies, I'm not just picking on the ladies today. Uh, there's nothing more vain. I mean, uh, we had a presidential candidate that was getting Botox injections in his face so that he looked younger as he ran for the office of president. It wasn't George Bush, by the way. Amen. Uh, I mean, come on here. What are we trying to do? And, and uh, you know, don't, don't miss. Don't waste your time. It says, here is one of the things. It says, the godly man ceaseth. The, the faithful fail, and they speak vanity with their neighbor. It says, they, they talk about things that are meaningless and empty. You know what a lot of churches do? on Super Bowl Sunday, they cancel the evening service. Now, if you're a football fan, that's, that's fine. But if you're going to skip church so you can watch a football game, something's wrong. Something's wrong. It's vanity. It's a game. I stopped going to baseball games after the second baseball strike. The last time I bought tickets to a baseball game was Cal Ripken Jr.'s rookie year at Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. Box seats cost eight bucks. And I mean, I was only 15 rows off the field. You could see everything. You could watch the guy sweat and all of that for eight bucks. I'm not spending $75 to watch a bunch of overplayed men, overpaid men play ball. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen with me. Because I don't care that much about the game. I really don't. If I had 75 bucks, I'd spend it on something else. Um... And, and our society, look at this, it just gets empty. They talk about things that do not mean anything. Just stop and think about the last time you had a meaningful conversation with someone. Not in church. When is the last time you talked to somebody about something that made a difference for eternity. Something that made a difference in, in reality. Something that really mattered. That's a scary thought. I mean, as I was looking over this, I said, you know, you talk with people about the weather. It's cold outside. But it's not that cold. Unless the wind's blowing. And... It's going to be 50 degrees on Tuesday. And uh, I'll tell you, it, we talk about things that really mean nothing. It says, with flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. When is the last time you heard somebody say something to you, good about you, that you knew really wasn't true? Hmm? Happens a lot, doesn't it? I mean, if you really address the situation, people call you mean and judgmental and hateful and all of those things. I mean, it's hard to be honest anymore, isn't it? 
And that doesn't mean we've got to be crude and rude and all of these things. That's the, uh, the truth is no excuse for being obtuse, if you like rhymes, all right? Uh, the word obtuse means dull and, and ignorant. We, we do not need to be mean and cutting towards people. But, I mean, look what it says here. Does this not describe the New York Times, tomorrow's edition? They speak with vanity, everyone with his neighbor, and with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. Now, this is what's going to happen to those people. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things. I read this verse, and I think of one of the most arrogant men in modern history. His name was Voltaire. I may remember the French philosopher, Voltaire. He was, he was so arrogant in his own lifetime. He had a mansion there, I believe, in Switzerland. And, and he stood up in one of his rooms of his mansion and he was giving talks to the great minds that would come in and listen to him. And he said, in my lifetime, wise men will throw away their Bibles and they will read my writings. Could you imagine a man saying that? But he did. It said, Who have said with our tongue we will prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? I mean, that's Voltaire. He said, I am God. How many know the end of that story? The Swiss Bible Society bought Voltaire's home when he died and went to hell and put a printing press in the very room that he made that statement, which is still printing Bibles today. You see, the Lord uh, cut off that tongue that speaks proud things. Amen? The Lord puts an end to that thing. I've read the last chapter of this book and God wins. Amen? We, we get all discouraged as we hear the vanity and the flattering lips and the double heart. You know how you speak with a double heart? It's you say one thing and you mean another. And, I mean, the world is just full of that. It describes the day in which David lived just as it describes the day in which we live. Many... Christians lament the day and, and lament the fact that the godly man has ceased and the faithful fail from among men. I mean, there used to be a time in the United States of America when the average person who lived here, when the average unsaved American was more godly than many of the saved Americans are today. I mean, you go back a few years and your average person would never think. In fact, let's go back to the 1918, uh, right about the beginning of the First World War. The overwhelming majority of people in this nation voted out the use of alcoholic beverage, period. 
You were not allowed to drink wine. You were not allowed to make it in the basement. You were not allowed to drink. Uh, uh, you were not allowed to import alcohol. The only way that alcohol was to be manufactured in this country was for uh, industrial purposes, for dyes and for chemical solutions and, and for shellacs and varnishes and all of those things. Could you imagine a country where you couldn't buy a bottle of beer? be a wonderful place to live, wouldn't it? Now they're legalizing pot. And uh, now they want, uh, they want places where you can go. And, and you go to Amsterdam today and they have parks where you go in the park and you can shoot up crack and do hero drop heroin and LSD. Anything you want, as long as you stay in the park, you can do it legally. Prostitution is legal in, the, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States today. I'll tell you what, a godly man has ceased, amen? The faithful fail from among the children of men. The influence is, that was once there is no longer there. And, and David is lamenting this thing, and, and yet we read down in, in, in verse 3, it says, The Lord shall cut off all the flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Now look at verse 5. We're going to start the contrast here. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Now isn't that beautiful? I mean, that, that just pictures it, doesn't it? I mean, we're talking about creation in, in our Sunday school time, and, and I just think of all the puffing evolutionists. You, just, you think the earth is only 6,000 years old? Yeah, I really do. You, uh, uh, how, how in the world? You, I bet you believe in Noah's flood. Yeah, I really do. I believe everything the Bible says. If God had said Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd believe that too. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says the whale swallowed Jonah, and that makes sense. Amen? You know, God isn't ridiculous. God isn't playing games. It makes a whole lot more sense to believe this Bible than to believe anything the evolutionists come up with. I mean, you've got to stop and think about it. I mean, it gets, it gets pretty awful if you really think about what the evolutionists are saying. And uh, if you really want to know the sum total and the end, you, we, we have a saying. You take the train to the end of the tracks and then you can know where you're going. Uh, that's what Adolf Hitler did in his societal engineering, was he took Darwinism to its ultimate end. And he said, we are just the cosmic experiment here. Therefore, we need to get rid of all the lesser forms of life and exalt the greatest form of life, which he happened to pick was the uh, Aryan race. And by the way, uh, last time I remember, he had dark hair. He didn't even fit his own description of what the perfect race was. Blonde hair and blue eyes. 
That's how whacked out people get. But God said, listen. He said, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise. And we read those words and the first thing we think about is the poor homeless guy walking down the street and the, the person that doesn't have enough money to pay their bills. But that's not fitting in the context here. What is the thing that's being attacked? I think Jesus said, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Ooh. That puts us in a whole different context, doesn't it? Because that's what happens when the godly man ceaseth and the faithful fail, is we become poor in spirit. We do not have that which we need to serve the Lord. And if we will understand that God is talking about being spiritually poor and not having what we need to serve Him, if we will cry out unto the Lord, He says, Now, now will I arise, saith the Lord. He says, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. You know, that's all the world has is a bunch of words. You ever thought about that? You want to watch people run away in fear? Just confront them with the gospel. I've watched men three times my size. Run away like scared little girly men when I pull a New Testament out of my back pocket. You're not coming to me with one of those. Why? It, it says, God said, I set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. God will protect us. God says, I'm going to arise. I'm going to do some things. And then we come to these words that we use. If you've been through our discipleship, we've taken you through verses 6 and 7 here, and we've spent some time explaining what those mean. And, and we're going to spend a little bit of time here this morning because we want to get the full import here. It's a connected thought. Where is that safety? Where is that protection? We need the words of the Lord. Our pure words. That's in contrast to the vanity and the flattering lips and the double heart. The words of the Lord are pure. You know, there is nothing in this Bible that you need to be afraid of. Amen? There is nothing in this Bible that needs to be corrected or straightened out. If anything needs to be corrected or straightened out, it's our understanding of what's in this book called the Bible. Uh, if you have any questions or things, the, the simple rule is this. You just write down what you don't understand. Apply that to the fact that you're an ignorant human being, that you're not quite as smart as God is. And you let God take care of that, but don't use that as an excuse not to take care of the things you do understand and you ought to be doing. Amen? It says the words of the Lord are pure words. And then it gives us an example here. As silver 
tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Now, we have to get the picture here. Purifying silver. Now, silver is a precious metal. Uh, not exceedingly precious. I think it's worth about $5 an ounce, something like that. I have a one-pound silver ingot that was given to me by a preacher friend several years ago. He said, ah, put it in your building fund. I'm still waiting for the price of silver to go up high enough to be willing to sell it. It's 13 ounces. It's worth about 40 bucks. Um, wow. But silver is a precious metal. We've made coins out of it. We do all kinds of things, jewelry. But silver is not as precious a metal as gold or platinum, some of those things like that. But in the Bible, there's a reason why God uses silver. Silver is a picture or an illustration of discernment, of judgment, of dividing between what not only what's right and wrong, but between what's good and what's best. You know, if there's anything missing today, it's that right there. We are only concerned with the difference between right and wrong, not what's absolutely best. We need a little silver. And, and uh, you go back to the Old Testament tabernacle and the sockets of the building. The foundation of the building were 75-pound pieces of silver with a hole notched in them so that the post of that house could stand up because the tabernacle was made to be moved. And it is an illustration to you and I that God is concerned with the difference between right and wrong. But He is just as concerned, if not more concerned, with the difference between what is acceptable and what is best. God is not a God that's interested in just getting by. Well, it used to be, if you found something made in USA, it was of the best craftsmanship that was available. Now you want something made in Austria or made in some other country where they still care about things. That's, that's what this is talking about here. It says, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. Now, silver, being not as precious as gold, all you used to, all that was normally done is you would take the silver ore and you would put it in a kettle or a cauldron and you would begin to build a fire under that thing until you could get that silver melted and the dross, the impurities, the other things would rise to the top. Well, in the atmosphere, there's this thing called oxygen. And that top layer of silver would be oxidized with the impurities, and you would skim that off and throw it away. Well, in doing that, guess what you did? You lost that top layer of silver because it combined with the oxygen and was no longer a usable pure silver. Now, it's interesting how God says that. He said, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. 
Now we take the cauldron and we put it inside a clay or brick kiln. What happens to the oxygen inside there? There is none. It's all consumed with the flames. There's no silver lost when it's tried in the furnace of earth. You see, God says, I want you to understand something. My word is silver. It's judgment. But I'm so concerned about that that not one bit of that silver is going to be lost by doing it the traditional way. That silver is going to be brought. The dross is going to float to the top. Those things are going to be skimmed off, but not one drop, not one bit of the silver is going to be lost in this process. Now, if you purify that silver one time, what is it? It is pure. That silver ingot in my uh, desk drawer says 0.9999% pure. 999 ten thousandths percent pure. That's pretty pure. That's how pure silver is when you purify it once. It says purified seven times. Why would God say purified seven times? Well, seven in the Bible, simply. You see seven, you're going to see something complete. God says, my word is completely, totally, 100% pure. God says, my word is pure. My word is very pure. My word is without error of any kind. Why would God make such a statement in the middle of this diatribe against those that speak vanity, the flattering lips, the double heart, the, the ceasing of the godly man and the failure of the faithful man? Why would God put that in there and then come back to the end and say the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted? Because His Word's the answer. His Word is the answer. You want to be safe from them at Puffet you? Get into the Word of God. That's where the answers are. You want to be protected from the double heart and the flattering tongues and those that speak vanity? Just get into the Word of God. And, and by the way, it goes on. It says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, verse 7. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation for a long, long time, right? No, it says forever, doesn't it? One of the greatest areas of attack today is the attacks upon this book called the Bible. There are, last I, I heard anyone that took time to count, there are 153 different translations in the English language. Now, if that's not confusing, I don't know what is. And yet, out of those 153 translations, 
Now this, this sounds oversimplified, it sounds silly, but it's true. Only one of those 153 translations rest its work solely on the accepted and used text of the Bible in the original languages. Every other of those 153, 152 of them, if, that's, if somebody hasn't added another one, gets its words, gets its translation, relies upon, and sometimes much more than they do upon the used text, they rely upon what I call the minority text or the unused text of the Bible. One of them was found in the garbage can. The other one was found in the Vatican Library where it was hidden for centuries. And there are places in that Vatican manuscript where the, where the vellum, the leather upon which the Scripture was written, was scraped off and written over 17 times in one spot. That's what the textual uh, experts tell us. Now, would you rely on something that was scraped off and written over again 17 different times? Not me, man. There is absolutely no question for the honest investigator that the words that you have in this book, we call the King James Bible. By the way, King James had really nothing to do with it. Not one penny of his money was spent, but he was the king. And... Uh, in those days in England, if you wanted to keep your life and you wanted to keep your property, you, uh, you honored the king. And, and really, what James was trying to do was he was trying to end all of the arguments that people were having about the Bible. But you're never going to end all the arguments because we have those people that speak vanity and speak with a double heart and they're always going to be there. I can't tell you how many hours I spent studying the issue of the Bible and the Word of God while I was in Bible college and to this day. Somebody writes a new book, I, I want to at least go through it and see what they have to say. You know what I find out? Most of them are just repeating things that have already been said. You have to accept God's statement here at face value. That's called faith. God said He would preserve His Word, that He would keep them as words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, that He would preserve them forever. I just believe God's Word. And you know what? I'm really not concerned from he that puffs at me. Amen? There are a lot of puffers out there. Amen? I mean, they always have something to say. And they always want to make you look ignorant and, and say, you know, is there really somebody that is so foolish to believe that God created the heaven and the earth? Oh, man, it beats the alternative any day. It makes more sense than anything written in an evolutionary book. The cactus. It knew that it had water in it, and predators would come and take its water, so it grew thorns to protect the water inside. That's out of an evolutionary textbook. Can you believe that? 
The cactus grew its own thorns because it wanted to protect the water that was inside of it. Now, if the cactus were half that smart, he'd have a bank account uh, on Wall Street and all kinds of things. And I mean, cactus aren't that smart, my friend. They really aren't. They don't think. If they did, they'd find some way to get out of the out of the little planter in your house and back out to the desert where they belong. Uh, I mean, if they're that smart, they could find a way back home, don't you think? Uh, it doesn't make sense. And yet people will believe that foolishness because they don't want to have a Lord over them. That's the issue of evolution. And they're out there and they're puffing. And, and guess what? They puff today. How in the world, how in the world would you say take away a woman's right to choose whether to abort her baby? Oh, it's very simple. You see, you don't have to deal with the ladies after the fact and all the guilt that's on their conscience that will never, ever go away. I've been there. Abortion never solves anything. It only adds to the problems. Sin is never an answer to sin. Well, they're always out there puffing. And they always will be. You know why? Because they have a double heart and they're full of vanity. It says the vilest, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Is that not yesterday's newspaper? Is that not today's newspaper? I mean, isn't that going to be what the news is about tomorrow? And if you get your eyes on all those things that are going on out there in the world, let me tell you something. It is quite discouraging. But if you get back to those words of the Lord, of pure words, man, I can trust them, Amen. Now let's get down to the application and we'll be done. If I can trust the words of the Lord, if they are pure words, should not that change the way I live? You say, yes, it should. And I try, and, and I'm working, and, and if I were to ask this, and I don't want to this morning because I don't want to uh, call attention to anyone who might not be of this understanding of life, but I would believe the vast majority, if not 100% of us this morning, would, would say, listen, that's what I want to do is obey and live those words that are in this book. But I can't find out how to do it. I try and I fail. Well, let's go back to verse 5. That's where the answer is. For the oppression of the poor. You know, the world has a vested interest in making sure they do not see a real Christian live a real life according to the pure words of the Lord. Because if they see a real Christian living a real life according to the real words of the Lord, then they have no excuse to continue on in their vanity and their foolishness. 
And so they're going to make it as difficult as they can. It says, for the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now, I don't know about your life, but I can tell you a little bit about mine. When it comes to the things of God, I am not a wealthy man. I want to have more of those things. I am needy today. And I want God to make my life more godly and more wealthy in the things of God. I don't want a big bank account on earth. I want a big one in heaven. Amen. I want my life to count not for this life near as much as I want it to count for eternity. If my life counts for eternity, it will count for this life. But I'm poor. And there's a whole lot of people out there that don't want us to live godly and righteously according to His Word. That's called oppression, is it not? And if you'll be honest with where you are and what is going on in your life, what does the Lord say? He says, Now will I arise, saith the Lord. God has a vested interest in using our lives to prove the veracity, the truthfulness, the faithfulness of His Word. God wants to accomplish that in ancient life that is here today. He wants us to be real. Now, you can't do that on your own. You lack the ability. You're poor. You have to have God's working through you in order to get that accomplished. And the only way that's going to happen is as you get in this book called the Bible and understand that these are not pious suggestions by the old man in heaven sitting on his rocking chair that just really doesn't care. These are the words of the Lord. He has taken time. He has gone to the pains and the exercise to make sure that these words are pure, from every generation since they were written down until today. Well, I shouldn't say written down. From every generation since God first spoke in the book of Genesis. God has kept His words pure. He's interested in them. He wants us to obey and to live them. And by the way, that's going to make you very different in a world full of vanity and flattering lips and double hearts. But it says, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. I don't know about you, but I like being safe. Amen? I like being protected. I mean, it's kind of fun. If you go to the zoo and you see all those great big voracious animals and poisonous snakes and spiders and all of those things and you walk through there and they have that huge barrier that protects you. That's kind of nice looking at them that way. Amen. Uh, I don't think I'd want to be like that uh, poor guy. He was a, 
think he, I can't remember, it was somewhere in Europe, he had robbed the bank and he decided to hide in the zoo. And uh, I think it was either the lion's cage, yeah, I think it was the lion's cage he, he fell into by mistake and uh, there was no more protective barrier and they they found what was left of him a couple of days later and figured out it was the guy who had robbed the bank and tried to hide in the zoo. Now, that's what happens. That It's just an illustration. True story. Happened, what, two or three weeks ago, something like that. I remember hearing it on the radio. That's what happens when you choose vanity, when you choose flattering lips, when you choose the way of this world. Does the Bible say you ought to steal from other people? No, it talks pretty strongly against it, doesn't it? You follow God's Word and you're going to be safe. He's going to protect you from those things that are around you. God will protect you from hell if you'll just follow His words and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Amen? God will protect you from the destructive forces of sin if you'll just believe the words of the Lord are pure. One of the greatest problems we face today in American society is the spread of immorally obtained diseases. You follow God's Word, you're perfectly safe. You don't have to worry about those things. You follow God's Word. And guess what? You're not going to be worried as all of the politics and all of the things go on. You follow God's Word. And you're not going to have to worry about everything that's happening around you. You can just simply trust in that Word called the Bible. If you'll just follow God's Word, He'll give you peace in your heart and rest in your soul. And by the way, if you'll follow God's Word... Vilest men won't be exalted. And when the vile men aren't exalted, the wicked won't walk on every side. Hate to beat a dead horse, but how many of you remember what America was like before B.C., before Bill Clinton? It was a different society. They did not talk about the things that they talk about today. But when you exalt vile men, the wicked walk on every side. It just happens that way. It just does. God's not playing games. He's just telling us what's going to happen. When they asked Bill Clinton's preacher about all of his shenanigans, happens to be a member of a Baptist church. Not one like this, by the way. Somebody said, what would you do if he was a member of your church? I said, we'd do what we do, and anybody would do that kind of thing. We'd uh, talk to him, and if he didn't listen, we'd talk to him again. If he didn't listen, we'd kick him out of the church. 
And we make it very plain that we don't allow that kind of stuff to go on with people who call themselves the servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just the Bible way of doing things. You can't serve God and the world at the same time. Somebody, you kick out the president of the United States? No, he wouldn't be a member of this church in the first place. Amen. You got to get saved first. And uh, you, you got to give your life to Christ before you can become a member of this church. You see, the words of the Lord are pure. Amen. He's going to keep the words. He just wants you to obey them. And as you try to obey those words, you're going to understand two things. Number one, you're poor. Because you can't do it. You lack the means of getting the job done. Number two, you're needy. Because that's what you need. Amen. And if you'll cry out unto the Lord, He'll get the job done. Because it's only through His work in our lives are we able to agree and to show this world the truthfulness of God's Word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You this morning and we look at these verses here. And Lord, I believe I can speak for most of the people in this church that we would admit that we are poor and that we are needy. And Lord, we cry out unto You today as we see all of the wicked things going on around us, the hindrances that would stop us from just being obedient to the pure words of the Lord. Lord, our prayer is that You would arise and that You would set us in safety. Lord, that You would work in our hearts and allow us to keep Your Word to Your honor and to Your glory. Lord, our prayer is if there be anyone here that is unsaved, that has yet to trust Jesus as their Savior, that they would look to those pure words and understand that they cannot save themselves and they need a Savior. Lord, we pray for those who are saved as they struggle with the issues of this life. They would look to those pure words and hide themselves in them. And Lord, we would find victory in this wicked world. Lord, we pray that we would not be overwhelmed with the puffing of the wicked. Because your word promises their demise. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us in the hymn of invitation 541. Words we know well, only trust Him. And if you need to come and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar, we'd encourage you to do that. Let the Lord know that you are poor and needy. It says He will arise. As we sing, will you come?
Some have come, others are coming. We want to give time to pray this morning. forgiven and that heaven is their home. You don't have to leave carrying the, the burdens of this life. few things before we have the ushers come. Tuesday night ladies is our monthly ladies fellowship and invite you to be here at 7.15 and then our regular Bible study uh, singles. We're going to try to meet uh, Saturday uh, 7.30 and then uh, Friday, I'm sorry, Friday 7.30 and uh, Saturday's our regular visitation and uh, don't forget our annual business meeting and dinner. Boy, this thing snuck up fast. Uh, we will have your tithing records for this past year. Uh, we should have all of those uh, before Sunday for you. And um, also, uh, what we're going to be trying to do is have a potluck dinner. Now, what that is, is you come to church next Sunday morning, uh, bring your lunch with you. Amen. And uh, we'll pray that it's not snowing and doing all the things that it is today. Uh, we'll have the side gates open, and uh, you can bring that down into the kitchen and uh, either put it in the refrigerator or uh, set it on the counter, whatever needs to be done. And uh, then we'll, uh, at, when we dismiss uh, here, we'll probably take about a half an hour or so uh, for the church downstairs uh, to finish up with all their things. But uh, we can send some of our uh, ladies and that down to the kitchen and start heating things up and uh, boiling water for the trays. And we'll get the table set up and we'll just have dinner here at the church next Sunday. And then as soon as the dinner's over, uh, we'll come back up here and we'll have a, uh, a short service where we'll go over things that the Lord has uh, done. Uh, our church has an open book policy. Anytime uh, you're a member of this church, you want to know about the finances, uh, you are welcome to ask any questions you want to ask at any time. But uh, our annual business meeting, uh, we uh, give a printout for the whole year where the money has gone, what it has done, how much we've supported for missions, what we've done for um, different things and then we'll be making some decisions and, and praying about some directions that we're going to be going in during this coming year, some things we'd like to accomplish and uh, some things that we need to uh, pray about. And so let's, let's make our preparation uh, for those things, bring a, a main plate, 
uh, a main dish, whatever you would normally eat for lunch. And, uh, and uh, uh, of course, we like to have lots of variety. Amen. And so whatever you can bring and uh, we'll enjoy. We have, we have some of the best church dinners here that I have ever been to anywhere. And uh, they are just absolutely a delight. And so we'll look forward to doing that next week. And uh, if you have any questions, just call during the week and we'll do everything we can to help you with that. All right, let's have our ushers come at this time. And we'll receive this morning's offering. And let us give as unto the Lord. today? Okay, would you ask God to bless the offering? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together and worship you. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. May you continue to, by your grace, to bless us the wisdom to understand them that we may be able to do this according to your will. Uh, thank you, Lord, for providing the means to partake in this offering. May you bless it and accept it and use it according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Brother Franz, come and lead us as we're dismissed. 705, if you need the words. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and Precious name, oh how sweet.